How many of you guys have been in the wrong place at the wrong time? All right, guys, I know every one of you men out there, you really need to raise both hands. You guys, but it's true, right? You guys have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know a really good example of being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Maybe for me, maybe not for Andy, but for me, it was surfing. I'm not much of a surfer. I'm learning and I love it. It's kind of one of those things, if I had more free time, I'd love to do it more. But on one occasion, and rest assured, there's many, but on one occasion, I found myself in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was the start of a surf season. I was overconfident. Me and a buddy decided we were going to eat a massive breakfast, bacon and Nesvog meat and just lots of coffee. And then we went out to a difficult surf spot on a big day at Cox Bay Resort. And I just remember trying to get out to the spot. I finally got in the spot, but I was about two meters too far. And the wave decided to surf me rather than me surfing the wave. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you know, it's interesting because I could be out there with a different set of circumstances surfing the same waves and be at the right place at the right time. Have you guys ever been in the right place at the right time? You know how good that feeling is? If you're surfing, it takes little effort to actually catch the wave because it just kind of comes up from behind you and a couple of paddles and you're on the wave and you're surfing and it's glorious for about three seconds for me. Maybe a little longer for someone else here today, but just there's, there's a reason we, we strive to be in the right place at the right time. And this morning, I actually want to talk about positioning ourselves for inheritance. And I want to look at some scripture and I want to talk through the life of Joshua. Those of you that remember Joshua, Joshua was the one of the spies. There was two of them, two of them out of the 12 that went into the promised land and came back with good reports. It was Joshua and Caleb. But uh, at some point later in the future, we actually see 40 years later where Joshua takes over from Moses and he takes the Israelites into the promised land and he takes them into their inheritance. But you know, for Joshua, him in his life, positioning himself for that moment, positioning himself for inheritance started long before that moment. And we will spend quite a bit of time today looking at the moment where he takes point from Moses. But you see, for Joshua, it started at a young age when he was actually a young aide to Moses. The scripture says in Exodus that Moses would meet face to face with God and Joshua would stay in the tent and linger after. You see, often being in the right place at the right time is a series of good decisions. Isn't that true? Often being in the wrong place at the wrong time is a series of bad decisions, like the big breakfast, right? But you see, for for Moses, even from a young age, before he was ever given point and authority, he was found seeking the presence of God. And sometimes there's things that happen in our lives where we want the inheritance and we want the glory, but God says, hold on, I've got things for you to do up front. There's things that I've got that are the good decisions for you to make. And through life, it's a series of these decisions that get us to the right place at the right time. So if we look at the story of Joshua, we know that the spies went into the land. Two of them came back with good reports and two of them not so much. But you know, if we look even further back at the story of the Israelites, we know the story of Moses leading the people out of Egypt. Remember, they were in Egypt for 400 years of slavery and bondage. 
And then they were stuck in the desert for 40 years. That's a long time. It's interesting because in this story, we see some incredible links. And I love how the scripture points to Jesus in this. But we see that God takes the Israelites out of bondage, out of slavery, and he brings them into promise. And just like the Israelites, it's the same for us with salvation. God takes us out of the slavery of sin, but he brings us into a promise. He brings us into inheritance. How many of you know that God has inheritance for you? He does. You see, I love that that is a picture and a foreshadow of Jesus, the uh, the Israelites coming out of slavery. It's a foreshadow of what Jesus would do to bring us out of the bondage of sin. And everywhere we look, we see Jesus. But you know, just like the Israelites, the story didn't end here. The story wasn't just saving us out of something, out of sin, out of bondage. It's a story of saving us into promise. How many of you know that what God has saved us into is more important to focus on than what he saved us out of? We need to focus on what he saved us into. And if we look through the life of Joshua, we see that there's a moment where actually God commissions Joshua. Now he comes and gives him authority after some series of good decisions. It says in Joshua 1.1 that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, just as I promised to Moses. Then he does this. Then God reminds Joshua of the inheritance. And he literally lays it out. He lays out the territory. In verse four, it says, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Friends, I really feel like the Lord this morning is coming to remind us of our inheritance. He wants to remind us of the promises over our lives. He wants to lay it out before us. And for a moment, I want to take some time and just highlight some of these pieces. Let me inspire you with what God says. He wants to remind us of promises. When I talk about inheritance, friends, I'm not referencing eternity with Jesus. That was settled at salvation for us. What I'm talking about is going on mission for Jesus. Remember, like the Israelites, that we've been saved into something. We've been saved into his kingdom. And as we're singing this morning, and as the word's coming forth this morning, that his kingdom is advancing. And he's called us to play a role in that. And this morning, can I say that our inheritance, your inheritance, is actually found in a place of going on mission with Jesus. It's found in a place of advancing his kingdom. And it looks different for everyone. But can I challenge us with this? God may have moved in power in your life and brought you out of the bondage of sin. But can I ask you this question? Is God still moving in power in your life? taking you into his inheritance and promise for you. 
Are you still seeing the power of God moving? Because that's what he has. Are we positioning ourselves to be in the right place at the right time? Are we positioning ourselves for inheritance? Are we willing to fight for it? Are we full of courage and strength? Or like many of us, and this is me included, friends, if I preach this word, this is for me too. But like many of us, have we grown comfortable? Have we grown complacent? Are we distracted? Or are we uninterested? You see, God's desire was never for us to stay or remain in slavery, but it was also not for us to stay in the desert. That wasn't what God says. His desire for us is to walk in inheritance, to experience the richness and the goodness of our father. As Russ was praying this morning, you know, the land flowing in milk and honey, the promised land, what God has promised us. Why? So that we might bear fruit. What did Jesus say in John 10? He said in John 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, some of us, perhaps from a worldly perspective, think, well, that means a whole lot of stuff. Well, that's not what this means. This means living life to its fullness and the fullness of what God has for you in the inheritance that he has for you. And yes, he blesses us in that place, but it's so much more, friends. And can I say this, that there's really no greater fulfillment in life than living in that place. There really isn't. We can chase all kinds of things in life, but there will be no greater fulfillment than us fulfilling the purposes of God in our time, in our generation. We want to be that people. Do you want to be that people? All right. So if we've forgotten this, if we've become distracted, if you feel like today you've been in the desert, maybe you feel like you've made mistakes along the way and somehow you're disqualified I want to remind you this morning, God still has inheritance for you, for today, for right now. And I feel like there's an invitation to position yourself for inheritance. So let's look and see how God does this in the life of Joshua. Because I think there's some truths and some handles for us in this. In Joshua 1.6, God speaks to Joshua and let me say God speaks to you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. So then we see Joshua assumes command, and he tells the people what God told him. He says in verse 10, prepare your provisions for within three days, you are to pass over this Jordan to go into, I'm sorry, to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. It says a little bit more as you read through um, this, this story, it actually says that they send spies out and this time they were smart. They all came back with good reports. Right? They focused on um, the great things that God was doing and they saw that and we actually see that they came back and there was good news. It's pretty easy sometimes to see the, the obstacles, but I want to encourage you, let's see what God is doing. Let's look at that. These guys did and this time they get to go through. So in Joshua 3, we pick up the story and I'm going to paraphrase this, friends, because there's a lot here, but can I encourage you to read it? Allow God to speak to you through it. We see in Joshua 3 that the officers go through the camp 
and they command the people. They say this, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, you are, as soon as they see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. In verse five, it says, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And he tells the people to take up the ark and to follow the ark. Interesting. That's actually, if you were here in our corporate prayer meeting this morning, and can I encourage you to do that? That's part of positioning yourself for inheritance. But in our prayer meeting, Russ references that actually it's the presence of God that goes before us. And this is what we were praying into this morning. And I love that God speaks to not just one of us, to all of us. And come and pray with us, friends. In verse 8, it goes on and says that, And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua gathers the people and he says, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will, without fail, drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the whatever, the everyites you can think of. Can we say it this way? Anything that stands before you, God is big enough, he is strong enough, and he can drive them out before you. Amen? This is our God. How does he say you'll know this? How? He says, well, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing before you into the river Jordan. It's the very presence of God that's going before us, right? This is how we'll know. We pick up in verse 14. It says, so when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as the as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now just, it, I love how there's actually a pause here and it just says this. It says, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. If you've seen the Fraser River right now, if you hear stories in the news or see that, it's overflowing. So it wasn't like it was a little trickle or a stream. It was at max capacity, full flood, absolute impossibility in the natural to cross, right? Okay, we're on the same page. Okay, you see, you got that visual. Good. So it says then in verse 16 that uh, it highlights that the waters coming down from above stood up, um, stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathan, wherever that is, and those flowing down toward the Sea of um, Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. I love this picture, friends. God literally parts waters again for the Israelites. Such a powerful and profound moment for these people. You see, the previous generation, they were first generation. Steve spoke on being a first generation believer last week, those of you that were with us in the morning service. And I want to encourage you to go and listen to the message, but he spoke on being a first generation believer. Um, how these, these were people that knew God and they knew his works. And I love how God actually takes a moment with this generation and he allows them 
to experience the works of his power. He parts waters. So no longer did they tell of a story of once was with the previous generation of God parting the Red Sea. Now they have their own story of God causing the, the river Jordan to stop and be completely cut off. God has stories like this for you, friends. He wants you to know his works, to know him and to know his works. I love this. It's the same God of salvation that moved in power, freeing Israelites from slavery. And it's the same God that moves in the same power to bring them into promise. Same power, same God. The same is true of us. The same power that saved you out of sin through the resurrection of Jesus is the same power, friends, still at work in you to bring you into his promised inheritance in your lives. But if we want to possess the inheritance God has for us, then we must first position ourselves for the power of God to move. And we see the Israelites do this. So there's a number of handles that I see in this scripture that will help us position ourselves for the power of God to move, that position us for inheritance. So the first one I want to highlight is Joshua 3, 5, where it says this, Joshua tells the people, it's the first thing he tells them to do, consecrate yourselves for, the, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Do you want to see wonders among you? Do you want to see wonders of God in your life? Those are the things that defy the natural and all you can do is wonder at the goodness and the bigness of our God. I want to see that. If life is all based on what I can do, it's going to be pretty boring. I want to live a life that's based on what God can do because that's amazing. That'll cause me to, to wonder and to look at the bigness of God. So consecrate ourselves. So what does it mean to consecrate yourself? This is an older term. It means to sanctify, to prepare, to dedicate, to be holy, to be separate, to devote, or to regard as sacred or hallow. So back then, they would wash themselves, they would wash their clothes, and they would actually refrain from being intimate. Now for us, consecration comes through Jesus. It says that we're actually washed by the blood of Christ. So when you see us singing about the blood of Jesus, and if you're new to church community or um, you haven't seen that before, you go, ah, that's a little weird. Well, the scripture said that it's Christ's shed blood that washes us clean. That's incredible, friends. We don't have this long journey or ritual of things we have to do. Christ did it. He finished it on the cross. And that's John 1, 7, if those of you, 1 John 1, 7, if those of you are wondering where I'm getting that from, it says that the blood of Jesus cleansed us from sin. So what's our part of consecration? Well, scripture says that it's actually our giving of ourselves as a living sacrifice. So Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, in Old Testament, we knew that if something was put on the altar, that it was no longer that person's. It was given to God as sacrifice, right? It no longer belonged to you. It was the Lord's. I got a funny story that 
helps kind of show this picture. And maybe there's some of you that were like me that, you know, you had to go to bed at a certain time, but you kind of wanted to do something else. Did anybody ever take your, your blankets and stuff it with pillows and kind of make it look like you laying in bed? Anybody ever do that? I used to do that. You know, we're supposed to be in bed. Yeah, only Sue's admitting to this. You know, we're supposed to be in bed. You know, we're in bed at a certain time. To spo- you know, we're supposed to be there, but we kind of make it look like we're there and we kind of stuff it full of pillows and we go and we read our book or we play a game or whatever we do, right? But really, we're supposed to be in a place. And I feel like to, for some of us, God is saying in this piece of consecrate yourselves, it's get back to where I've told you to be. Some of us actually need to get back up on the altar. The word says that we're a living sacrifice. This is an ongoing thing. That means that we have given ourselves to Christ. Not some, not just for a moment. Not like, let me just pretend I'm up on, on the altar and let me just put pillows and a blanket. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there, Lord. Yeah, I'm good. I'm right there. But we're kind of over here doing our own thing. Friends, the Lord sees, the Lord knows. We might have tricked our parents, but we don't fool God. And I feel like he's telling some of us, we need to get back up on the altar. We're a living sacrifice that Christ paid a price for us that we would live for him. Amen? All right, some of you want to put the pillows up there. Okay, well, take the pillows down. Let me tell you that as a living sacrifice, friends, if we want to see inheritance, if we want to see the power of God, it's going to be in that place. It's a daily thing that we do, friends. We can't sing, I surrender all, and be honest with ourselves. Some of us should probably sing, I surrender some. Right? But God wants us to surrender all. So consecrate yourselves. It's not a one and done. We need to position ourselves for inheritance. So the first one is consecrate ourselves. Set ourselves apart. The next thing that I see that's so important, friends, and we can't move from this, you can't skip this, is to follow the Holy Spirit. Joshua 3.3, he commands the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. See, back then we know that the presence of God was in the Ark of the Covenant. It was a representation of the presence of God. The instructions were clear. Go nowhere. Do nothing unless the presence of God goes before you. It's actually a commitment that God made to Moses earlier on when God tells Moses to go out and take the people forward. And he says, God, I'm not going anywhere unless you go with us. Who are you sending? And he says, I will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Friends, God hasn't called you to go anywhere that his presence won't go first. Let's wait on his presence. We need to follow Holy Spirit. So Joshua says, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. Behold, the ark is going before you, the very presence of the Lord. We know, friends, that as believers, that we're actually the carriers of his presence now. And that there's an indwelling presence of God, that he's leading and guiding us, that he's prompting us. That it's actually the indwelling spirit of God in us. And that he wants to guide us. I feel like there's two camps I want to highlight here when it comes to following Holy Spirit and his leading and guiding. The first one's the impatient ones, the ones that don't want to wait, that just want to run ahead. That was me. Um, The uninterested ones, 
the ones that just aren't listening or paying attention, that we're kind of just good. We've got the pillows on the altar and we just want to do our own thing. We're kind of just, we're okay with that. Can I say for the impatient ones that we're often the ones that run ahead, that we miss the power of God and we find ourselves fighting in our own strength where God's ways are that of preparing us, of finding ourselves in his presence. It's that series of right decisions. You know, a a great story of impatience for you. Um, When I was a youngster, and I want to say five, six, seven, kind of in that age, um, I actually used to come to the Christian school. And if you look at those pictures up on the wall, there's a few. I'm usually the one pulling a face. Um, When I was this age, I had a friend that I would go over to his house on the weekends and his parents would make the most incredible waffles and sausages for breakfast, like mouth drooling, like just picture the most incredible waffles and sausages you can think of. Okay. And I just remember uh, this one time I was so excited. I woke up, I was half asleep and the waffles and sausages were ready and the call was there and we were scrambling to get out. And I was rather impatient, wasn't really paying attention. I just kind of rushed out, you know, and I rushed out, walked all the way down into the kitchen and my friend's older sister was there kind of standing in the hallway. She kind of crosses her arms and looks at me with this big grin. I'm like, oh no, what is it? She's like, aren't you forgetting something, Paul? I'm like, what? Your pants. (laughs) Right. Let me go deal with that. I feel like sometimes, friends, the impatient ones rush out. You know, from a spiritual context, we know the scripture says that God gives us the, the armor. He gives us armor, right? In the kingdom. And we know that we're to advance the kingdom. I feel like as believers, the impatient ones are the ones that grab their helmet of salvation, their sword of the spirit, and they run into battle naked ahead of the army. And they're kind of exposed. And I just feel like God is saying that if you've done that and you've been hurt, just come back. God's got an army for you to march forward with. He places us in community. Don't be impatient. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on community to take us forward. This is why God brings us together. The Holy Spirit will lead you when the timing is right, I promise. Wait for him. So those are the, unint- those are the, the eager ones. Let's look at Um, let's look at the other ones. Let's look at the uninterested ones. Those maybe that can't be bothered to pay attention. Can I say this, friends? If that's us, we're going to miss out on inheritance. Life is so short, friends. And I want to say God has inheritance for you here. If you're living and breathing, God has inheritance for you. Don't wait. Don't push it off. You're going to miss the experience of the power of God in your life. You're going to miss some waves. You're going to miss some waves. We need to position ourselves to catch those. Sure, we might not miss all of them, friends, but we're going to miss some. We're going to miss some of the things God can do with us. But did you know it's not too late? As long as there's air in your lungs, God still has waves for you to catch. God still has power for you to walk in. He still has inheritance for you to experience. In 2 Timothy 3, three it talks about of a future generation and it says that there will be those that have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. I don't want to be that, friends. I don't want to deny the power of God. I want to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit to experience the power of God. 
And we're going to need the power of God to walk in inheritance. We can't do it on our own. You can't do it on your own, friends. So we need to position ourselves for inheritance. And it's that series of right decisions. Consecrate yourself. Follow the Holy Spirit. And the last point and the last handle for us this morning is step out in faith. In the last part of the story in Joshua, it says, When the people set out from the tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the, Lord, uh, before the people, as soon as, they, as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, they had to step into the water. They actually had to step into the water. And it's in that place, it's in that stepping out that God moves in power. It wasn't like they, they came to the river and they just waited. Over our equip time, one of the things that came through was that God's called us to be a people that live in a place of expectation. We were praying that we would be a people of expectation this morning. But you see, there's a difference between anticipation and expectation. And there was a great question. What's the difference? Well, anticipation is hoping that something's going to happen. Expectation is knowing that it's going to happen. Anticipation for the Israelites would have been coming up to the River Jordan, hearing all of what God said he was going to do and just waiting for it to happen. Expectation was going, no, I've heard, I trust, and in faith, I actually step into the water. And it's in that act, it's when our faith takes us to action that the power of God can move. We need to take our faith to a level of action. And can I say this morning that when we do that, friends, when you do that, no river is too wide, no mountain is too high. No obstacle is too difficult for our God. You know, I love what it talks about when we, when we read through scripture, when we, when we see this piece of power, you know, the scripture talks about a dunamis power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us. And it's the prompting of the Holy Spirit, a stepping out in faith that makes space for the power of God to move. You know, that word dunamis, we hear that thing we hear the word dynamite. That's where they get that root word dynamite from. You know, it's interesting because we think, boom, big explosion. You know, man's power often just destroys. If you watched about, uh, a little while ago, there was a great big bomb that was dropped in Afghanistan. The Moab, the mother of all bombs. Anybody read about that? I love how Russia w- wants to one-up the United States and they've got the father of all bombs. But did you know, guys, that we have the father of all power? Of all power. Man's power destroys. But God's creates. Defies the things in the natural. He breathes stars. He melts mountains. He heals sick. He raises the dead. He moves in wonders. This is our God. When we step out in faith, it's an invitation for that power to work. It's an invitation for the power of God to move in our lives. And it's going to take that power for us to possess an inheritance. There was no way those Israelites were going to cross that river without the power of God. And you know, I love how incredible God's power is when he moves. You know, the Red Sea, it says that 
it was parted. So the Israelites walked through with water here and water here. I love when in the context of inheritance, where God says in the scripture that the waters withdrew all the way back to a city a long ways away. That means you could no longer even see the obstacle that stood before you. This is what God wants to do with your obstacles. Cause them to disappear so that you can't even see them. This is how the power of God moves. Isn't our God good? Isn't he faithful? I've heard it said that the power of God, the display of the power of God is supernatural manifestations of wonder. Supernatural manifestations of wonder. Wow. I want to live and be a first generation believer that experiences this power, but it's going to take me positioning myself to see it. We've got to position ourselves for inheritance. Friends, I can, I can get out to the surf spot, but if I don't position myself to catch the wave, I'm not going to catch it. We've got to position ourselves to allow the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Just two final thoughts here in this scripture, and there's a lot, but just two lasting things I want to leave with you. The first one is the inheritance is for everyone. It's not just for leadership. You know, in this picture, we see that the the Levites, the Levitical priests went and they stood, but all of Israel crossed over. Somebody say all, all. That means you. Friend, if you're in this room, that means you. All of Israel crossed into the promised land. I love how God does this in community. It's the whole community moving across together. That's what God has for us. It's all of us moving into inheritance. It's all of us. So this is for you. The other thing is that God takes us from victory to victory. This is one of the times where we see the power of God in the life of the Israelites. You can go before this time and see all kinds of things happen. And you can look forward and go, wow, God really prepared them for the even more incredible things that he does. God takes us from victory to victory. As we position ourselves for power, as we walk in power, guess what? God has more for us. He has greater battles for us to overcome. He has more inheritance for us. You might have even feel today that, hey, I'm living in some inheritance. I feel like I'm good. I just want to say, friends, until the day that you die, the kingdom of God is advancing and he has more. He has more. Let's keep pressing on. Let's find ourselves constantly positioning ourselves for the power of God to move. So I really feel like this morning, guys, God is giving invitation for you to position yourself. And I I am going to ask if the worship team would come forward. We do have a little bit of time this morning. And honestly, wherever it is, whether you want to take time in this moment, then do it. But if you want to come kind of sitting where you are, do that. But if you want to come up front and you want us to stand with you, I believe that there is something that God does as we partner with one another. And we have leaders here that would love to pray with you. But friends, our desire is that each one of you in this room walks in the inheritance for what God has for you, walks in the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. Will you walk with us? I want to celebrate with you in heaven. I want to celebrate with you at the gates that we can say that we fulfilled 
the purposes of God in our time, in our generation, that we experience like Joshua, this inheritance that God has promised us. So I'm just going to ask, if you want to respond, if you want to actually come up front and have some of us pray with you, come and do that now. And I'm just going to ask if the rest of us would stand. If you want to respond where you are, that's great. That's fine. But we're also here to pray with you. Just allow the worship team to lead us in some worship. And we want to focus our attention on him. Because we can't do this without him. But his presence will go with us, friends. He will go with us. Amen?